Provoking Minds podcast brought to you by KU Learning and Development. My name is Fiona Harris and I'm here with Deb Watson, KU Sustainability Program Manager. Before we begin today, I would like to acknowledge the Darawal people, the traditional owners of the lands on which I'm on today, and acknowledge the contribution Aboriginal people have made to caring for country for many thousands of years and whose knowledge, cultures and histories recognise and honour the interconnections of people and place. Welcome, Deb. As KU Sustainability Program Manager, I know you are deeply invested in ensuring the children of today have a future they can feel secure about. Can you tell us a little of what drives this commitment? Thanks, Fiona. Certainly, and like many of us, I've recently been isolated from family and in particular my grandchildren. And I began to reflect upon the world they might be experiencing it. As a four-year-old and a two-year-old, their current world is very much driven by their parents' choices and the environments they're exposed to. Arby attends a KU preschool and he enjoys a natural playground with chickens and gardens. His dad is a keen gardener, so the preschool program reinforces Harvey's learning that our earth sustains us and that we share this earth with many living species. So without formal lessons, Harvey's absorbing what I've referred to as the four big ideas, and that is there is only one earth which we can call our home. We share this with many living species and it sustains us all. And this creates a sense of reciprocity for us as we have a responsibility then to care for this earth, our home. So Deb, what can we do in our early childhood programs to improve the outcomes for children so that they can look forward to their future with more certainty? I believe early childhood programs that provide education through play and with an immersion in life provide the best start for our children. We understand that at the core of early childhood programs resides a goal to support and sustain young children. And we seek ways to embrace and enhance their lives now with engaging education programs while also preparing them for the future world. Our early years learning framework with belonging, being and becoming embraces this duality of now and the future. So I began to wonder what might the future look like for these young citizens of our world? How does what we offer now prepare them for a future world, a world that we can only surmise at? Now, given our focus on children under six years of age, One is only to apply a little math to understand that this generation of early childhood participants will be in their 20s in the year 2035 and onwards. So what will the world look like in just 15 or so years' time? Given the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's recent report, which confirmed the world's climate has been impacted by human actions with rising temperatures, and increased climatic events, we know our children will be experiencing a very different everyday way of being to that of my generation at their age. And a quick glance at some of the headlines suggests that we may have a team housed on the moon or that space travel will have advanced and certainly jobs could look very different. Hopefully, 
in this positive scenario. We've also revised the way in which we produce adequate sustainable food, addressed poverty, cleaned our air quality with the use of renewable energy and removed single-use plastics from our life and cleaned the oceans and waterways. That is a great vision, Deb, and it provokes some thinking and hopefully some actions by our communities and governments. But what if we just decide it's too hard? What might the world look like? Fiona, that scares me. Frankly, if the world's trajectory of greenhouse global emissions remains similar to the present, 2035 is likely to bring with it significant and catastrophic impacts related to climate change. As referred to the earlier IPCC report, it is evidence that climate change is already affecting every region on Earth in so many ways and that the changes we experience will increase with additional warming. But you know what must wake us all up is that the time frame has been adjusted. We spoke about 2050 and net zero emissions, but the report now estimates the chance of crossing the global warming level of 1.5 degrees in the next decades. And it finds that unless there are immediate, rapid and really large-scale reductions in greenhouse gas emissions, limiting warming to close to 1.5 degrees or even 2 degrees Celsius will be beyond our reach. The fact is many countries recognise that we must act now in order to turn away from such a scenario and they're working towards that more hopeful world I described initially. And it is this reality that drives my commitment. If we don't modify human behaviour now, our grandchildren and the young children we currently have a duty of care for will be facing a very different world. And I'm not just talking about increased technology here. Is it little wonder that our youth are out in the streets raising their voices in protest? or heading to the judicial system to affirm their right to this duty of care, which includes ensuring our government does not cause them physical harm in the form of personal injury from climate change. So, Deb, you're suggesting that early childhood educators have an opportunity and indeed a responsibility to support change. Can, can you expand a little bit more on that? Certainly. We see our families most days. And I'm sure you know how important their children are to them. They care for their children's future and they want them to be safe, to be healthy and developing and using their strengths. As early childhood educators, we have influence and a responsibility to work with these families and communities for a world that sustains all life. We must recognise that the decisions about the way we live the resources we use and how we share these impacts on future generations of all living species. For me, we must embrace the science with a political will to turn this around. As an educator, I sometimes wonder, can I make a difference? What can I do? It's then that I'm reminded of Desmond Tutu's advice. Do your little bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that will overwhelm the world. 
That's good advice. Thanks, Deb. I'm regularly encouraged by your energy and commitment to education for sustainability, and I know that your wisdom will benefit the lives of many of our children into the future. Thanks again for sharing with us today. Thank you for the opportunity to share my thoughts. I look forward to hearing the stories educators might offer in supporting a positive future for our children. And if you would like to hear more about Education for Sustainability, KU has a full program of learning opportunities. Head on over to our learning and development section on the website to book in for our Becoming EcoSmart Together training. You may also be interested in purchasing a copy of KU's new publication, Because We Care, Education for Sustainability in Action, which is a guide Deb has written to support early childhood centres become more sustainable.